On the line, I'm very pleased to have Fritz Edler. Fritz is a, the special uh, representative for the Railway Workers United. And Fritz was on the show, well, what, about a month ago or so, as we were talking about the uh, the de- derailment and the um, uh, disbursement and the spilling of toxic chemicals in East Palestine, Ohio. And um, since that time, there have been two more derailments uh, involving Norfolk Southern Railways, um, and one of them was in Springfield, Ohio, again. So, uh, Fritz, g- good morning. How you doing? Uh, good morning to you, sir. I'm doing well, and thank you for having me on the buzz. All right. We appreciate it. Well, what, um, everything you were talking about kind of came to fruition, as a matter of fact, after the East Palestine thing. We didn't know that it was going to have the legs that it is. That is, everyone got involved. It became it became big news. Initially, they said everything's going to be all right, nothing to worry about. Well, the people of East Palestine obviously did not believe that. Um, can you tell us what has happened since that time? And a lot of the criticisms that you brought up about um, uh, safety issues with the railways, uh, they were highlighted finally. Again, are you pleased, first of all, with the government's response to what happened in East Palestine? Well, there's lots to talk about, uh, and it will be so for the foreseeable future, actually, because, uh, you know, there's a lot going on that, that is much broader, not only for what happened in East Palestine going forward, but also on all the class ones. And the reaction has been pretty, uh, pretty amazing. Although for the most part, uh, the safety part of it is, you know, too little, too late. So as you, you know, um, there have been, uh, the Norfolk Southern Company itself has issued a bunch of, uh, sort of preemptive efforts to try and reclaim a narrative that they actually have some kind of a safety culture. But at the same time, within the last days, you've seen the FRA and the NTSB both say that they're opening up uh, federal-level investigations of the safety culture um, and uh, they're, they're citing it. You mentioned three, Rex, but I think they actually are uh, looking at the five most recent ones. Uh, and there's all kinds of different issues at stake here, but all of them roll up at the end of the day to the problems of precision scheduled railroading, or called PSR. And it's basically the uh, hedge fund uh, capture of the Class 1 railroads. All right. Now, um, Norfolk Southern has had five significant accidents since uh, December of 2021. All right. That's just a couple years here. Um, and, again, including the two that have happened since the East uh, Palestine-Ohio derailment. Do you have any information about what caused the um, the most recent derailment in Springfield, Ohio? Yeah, Springfield is important because there'll be a tendency on the part of most people looking at it. They'll be looking at it to say, well, nobody got hurt. There was no big spill. It was just a derailment. Uh, but the point that, that we would like to make to people is, is that it is, is sort of one of the most egregious examples of one of the biggest safety concerns, which is extra long trains. This train about 212 cars long, so it was another 60 cars longer than the one that wrecked in East Palestine. Uh, it was another uh, 
30 or 40 longer than the one that wrecked in Washington, D.C. in 2016. And the reason why this is important, and even it's tacitly admitted by Norfolk Southern that now has imposed their own self-imposed limit for the moment uh, on train length, is that train length changes all the dynamics, changes all the dynamics of what happens in normal operations, but also what happens in the event of the bad thing happening. Mm-hmm. Okay, we think okay. that this uh, is key. Fritz, can you just stop there? So the, the most recent yep. Yep. Uh, derailment in Springfield, Ohio, that train was actually longer than the one in East Palestine. Okay. Absolutely. Now, do we know exactly? Yeah, East Palestine train was 150. This one was 212. Wow. And and that is a big issue. And, of course, you mentioned that, um, well, do trains have to be that long? Well, not absolutely not. I mean, the, the alternative to running a super long train is to run two trains hmm. and, uh, you know, or, or three trains or whatever the case may be. But for years, and this actually predates the precision schedule railroading part, uh, they've been figuring out ways to increase the train length. One of the main things is their technical ability to put what they call displaced power. So locomotives somewhere else in the consist of the train, it gets past the physical limitations that they had in the past. But they haven't done their homework. They haven't done all of the studies, all of the science that needs to be done to uh, understand all the dynamics. When you take a train and you make it extra long, you change the way it behaves. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, and then, of course, you mentioned the issue of how they load those trains also, and you got a lot of empty carts, empty train, um, what do you call them? <laughs> what do you call a train? Uh, yeah, empties. We just call them empties. Empties, but, okay. Yeah. Um, um, all right, and that's another issue, and how they load those also. And you said that usually uh, 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 most operators would like to take more time and put the empties um, at the towards the the, uh, the rear of the train, right? Oh, no, it's actually the opposite. Oh. The, the, well, let's put it this way. I don't know about most operators. What we generally see is all of the operators are moving away from best practices. Best practices, and you can kind of understand this, you know, in your everyday life. That if you have, if you know, in a long string that is unequal in weight, you want the weight towards the front. And the main reason for that is because you don't want wave action whenever you either uh, stretch it out or bunch it together or, you know, have the front end of the train is stopping while the rear train is still moving, which is what happens all the time. You have to control that. If you put the excess weight at the rear, you just greatly accentuating the problems of the wave action. And so, for example, in East Palestine, what happened was there would have been a derailment based upon the problem of the axle, but it didn't have to be one where everything tumbled and crashed and rolled over and uh, jackknifed. And that was accentuated by the way that they built the train, the length of the train, where they put the weight, et cetera. Okay, do we know what uh, was the cause of the of the Springfield, Ohio uh, derailment? At this point, it's unclear. Uh, There's a suggestion that it was because it was that long that the dynamics of it were such that there was a problem in in actual the normal handling of the train. But that will remain. They'll have to come out with their 
uh, on-the-spot reports on that. We don't know about any defects. There's not been any reports at this point of any defects. So when that's the case, it usually comes down to a question of how the train was operated. Mm -hmm. But what happened, so even in the East Palestine case, the East Palestine train had experienced a uh, what what we call uh, busted knuckle. Basically, it was a place where because of the length of the train and the way it was built up, there was one crew in the in the course of its route going towards East Palestine, where the train separated. Mm-hmm. It pulled, you know, basically the forces that were in there were such that they, it actually broke the knuckle connecting between the two parts of the train. Okay. So it experienced a dangerous situation there. All right. Uh, did you have a question, Eli? Well, yeah. I said I just wanted to uh, ask this. I know. Um, since you know the uh, derailment in East Palestine, I know m- myself, like a lot of people, feel like they've been seeing all of these train derailments in the news, and like, wow, what a crazy thing that all these train derailments are happening. Uh, NPR put out a report that there are actually about, uh, you know, there's been a thousand train derailments in the last year, on average of about three derailments a day. Is that uh, so? It's like it's like you know this kind of question of like you know when you have this one in East Palestine, that's like a massive tragedy. It obviously puts this highlight on this type of issue but i guess the question is is like is that uh, have you have we seen any trending of these you know these derailments getting worse or, or exploding in in scale or is there any hopes on what needs to be done to get you know even these i don't want to say minor derailments but you know these these derailments that aren't making the news every day to get those down well yeah well one thing i want to make sure that people understand about this is that the industry will claim that their rates of these things are going down and they're not that's that's you know, playing with the numbers. If you actually, the reason why they can claim that they're going down is because they run fewer trains. When you run fewer trains, then the number of trains per uh, accident, shall we say, actually goes up. So, you know, train miles, the rate of, you know, all kinds of problems of these kind is actually going up, but they're dishonest about the way that they talk about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're speaking with Fritz Edler. He's a special representative for the Railway Workers United. Fritz, now the National uh, uh, Transportation and Safety Board has announced a special investigation of Norfolk Southern Railways, and um, well, they, they want to look at their organization and their safety culture. Um, what would you like to see come out of this investigation, and what do you expect to see come out of this investigation? Well, first of all, as you know, we've always said that the you know the industry itself is starting to uh, tout their special new initiatives that are you know supposed to be proof that they can self-regulate. Self-regulation is how we got to this place. Uh, one of the highlighted things that people are talking about is the fact that the hot journal detectors, the kind of equipment that is used to find, you know, prevent accidents like what happened in East Palestine, are not federally regulated. This is a scandal for our, from our point of view at this point where there's a, there's a kind of a condition that's a 19th century style defect that we have the technology, lots of technology, and it's not regulated. It's it's left in the hands of the individual railroads to do whatever they please. Mm-hmm. And there have been consequences that come from that. But So now you have the Senate bill, the Rail Safety Act of 2023, 
which uh, we generally regard as being what you could call a good start, but unfortunately its content, uh, as the president of my union, the Brotherhood of Locomotive Engineers and Trainmen, has said it has loopholes in it big enough to drive a freight train through. Uh, yeah, we okay. need to strengthen those. We need to strengthen those. We need to change the kinds of public dialogue that's happening where they think, okay, well, they pass a big safety bill and everything will be all right. Uh, they're investigating and everything will be all right. But the people who are investigating, the NTSB, for example, uh, the you know, there's a back and forth where the railroad executives pass back and forth between the federal agencies and the railroads, and they become a captive agency mm-hmm. I mean, for uh, the interests of the industry. Right, right. And uh, supposedly, according to the New York Times article of just uh, last Sunday, uh, the railway industry is able to kind of regulate themselves, right? We don't have enough regulators out there. Is that true? Well, that's right. And uh, we see that on the ground. And uh, actually, in the recent times, the FRA has, uh, you know, especially during the times of the pandemic, there have been waivers given to the railroads on the regularity and the locations and all kinds of aspects of that. Waivers is a big problem. And the Rail Safety Act itself, the bill that's going to be debated, has provisions in it for waivers on just about everything. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, compared to other uh, the inter- international railing uh, community, of course, there was a very uh, a deadly and tragic um, um, uh, 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 train accident in uh, Greece um, just last yeah. week, and, and lo- m- much loss of life. Um, of course, they did say that one was uh, uh, blamed on operator error. Um, um, well, they they blame the train master, the station master, and that's because they have a situation where a lot of their switching is done manually. It's not interlocked. It's not uh, uh, we you know people in this country would freak out if there were passenger trains being operated in that way. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm not from Greece, so I can only go so far in in talking about their process. But this was an incredibly dangerous situation that was set up to fail. Mm-hmm. How, how do we compare uh, um, uh, with other countries in terms of rail safety? Well, one of the things, and this is a, so my organization, Railroad Workers United, has initiated a, a campaign, and lots of people are starting to get interested in it, for public ownership of the rails. And the reason we've done that is we've shown that the evidence is extensive that the private carriers can't operate either the safety aspect or the service aspect. The service aspect is key. If they're tri- if the railroads are critical to the economy, we have to be able to serve all of the needs of the country uh, in the public interest. So that's one of the reasons why we've initiated that public ownership campaign. And we think that that's one of the differences because every other developed place in the world basically already has some form of that. And it allows for the public interest, all the stakeholders, the public interest to be in, included at the, at the table in every situation where decisions about service and safety are being made. Okay. Fritz. So um, we have the largest network. We have the largest network in the world, but it's all up to the individual uh, uh, boards of directors what they do with it. Okay. 
Uh, we've been speaking with Fritz Adler. Um, he's the special representative for the Railway Workers uh, United. Again, we're just kind of following up on a report we did about, um, about a month ago uh, dealing with the uh, East Palestine uh, train derailment. What is going on with that uh, derailment now um, in East Palestine? Um, are you satisfied with the cleanup operations? Are you satisfied with what they're doing uh, in terms of uh, uh, fixing those tracks? Is are those tracks operable? Are trains running on that on that route still? Uh, I actually don't know the the status this moment of what's happening in the reconstruction of the route. Uh, of course, for us, I mean, you know, we can actually restore track service fairly quickly and everything, but the big problem is, is at what cost? What, for example, has all of the hazmat material, all the earth, all the uh, mm-hmm. liquids and things like that that are there been removed? You can't just leave them there. You, if you leave them there, you create problems going on. And I'd say the last time I was on with you, I'm pretty sure we talked about Mm -hmm. the long-term forever chemicals that are created by the fires and things. And I want to say that that, uh, now people are starting to come around to talk about that, about the dioxins and the other toxic um, compounds that are not from what was in the cars, but what was created by the fire. We talked about it on your show mm-hmm. last time, and we, and partly this is because uh, of the experience of the Lac-Megantic wreck, which we now have 10 years of experience with what the long-term consequences are. And in 2013, that uh, volatile oil train wrecked in that town and killed 47 people instantly. Mm-hmm. But the chemicals, that the pollutants, the toxins that were produced by that will probably be there forever. Mm-hmm. Okay. And yeah. even though you can run trains there, that doesn't make it a, uh, a safe place. Okay. You had another, uh, Eli? Well, yeah, so, and then uh, my final thought is there is a a Senate hearing happening today about the derailment in East Palestine. Is there anything that, you know, uh, we as the public should be looking for, and I guess what are you specifically hoping to hear um, out of this Senate hearing today? I know uh, uh, Norfolk Southern CEO Alan Shaw, uh, as well as several senators uh, from Ohio and Pennsylvania, will be speaking. Um, what, what, What can we hope to get out of this hearing today? Well, your biggest concern is that it'll be essentially a uh, diversion and a cover-up. As you know, I think the second-ranking Republican senator uh, is an industry lobbyist and has been deeply connected to the promotion of the financial interests of the industry. Basically, the industry is his sponsor, and he's going to be playing a role, as are his colleagues, in trying to make that... um, uh, hearing into one where they get the, the best kind of uh, face to what the rail has, what the industry has done, so that they can avoid these questions about public ownership, about mm-hmm. PSR, about the long-term damages. All right. Fritz Edler from uh, the Special Representative for the Railway Workers United, and you can go to their website um, and check out their information. Fritz, uh, I want to thank you again uh, for being on the show this morning. And, uh, well, well, who knows, maybe in a month we'll be talking again after the next uh, uh, derailment. 
Thank you very much for being on Well, the show. I hope that won't happen, but okay. I thank you so much for your invitation, and, and we're always happy to have this conversation with you because we think that there are voices, the voices of the people in the communities and the voices of the people on the trains that aren't being heard. Okay. All right, thanks a lot. Take care. Thank you, sir. Bye. Talk to you later.